This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 17. This is Writing Excuses, writing in the public domain. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Brandon. And I'm Gamma. We are here at LTUE. Very excited to be here recording live in front of our home court science fiction fantasy conference. Um, We have Gamma Martinez with us. Gamma, you've been a friend of ours forever, uh, and we're so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a writer, obviously, a runner, a diver. I dive with sharks all the time. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, I volunteer at the aquarium. I dive at, with tickling the shark tank. Okay. Yeah. I thought you just, like, broke into the aquarium. <laughs> this is the, the yeah. Loveland Living Planet Aquarium? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah? Cool. Yeah. I didn't know this okay. about you. <laughs> yeah, yep. I didn't know that. Okay, well, you're, we're not going to talk about the other thing. We're just talking about sharks. <laughs> no. Um, you pitched this, and I think this is a fascinating idea, because the public domain at this point does include a lot of really cool uh, stories, fiction, characters, all of this cultural background that we might be very familiar with that is actually totally legal to just tell your own stories about. Um, and you are publishing a book about... Uh, it is called God of Neverland. It's set 20 years after Peter Pan, where Michael Darling has to return to Neverland to help save Peter Pan. That's cool. It's very cool. I've read it. Uh, <laughs> I got an early copy. Uh, it is, you're even kind of, uh, the world building's really cool because it's like um, Peter Pan, you find out very early in the book, is like this ancient god of trickster god that Peter Pan is just one of his incarnations and it delves into mythology and Uh things. It's really cool. So yeah, in Celtic mythology, there is a god called Mapinos who is an eternal child and is a personification of youth. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I thought that connection was just awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, It propelled me through the whole book. Just that single idea uh, landed so well for me. And the book is great too. It's not just that idea, but... (laughs) So Peter Pan and Celtic mythology are both public domain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody wants to write with public domain characters, such as Peter Pan, mm-hmm. uh, what are some considerations that they need to take? Uh, the big thing you need to be careful of is that what you are using is part of the original work and not something created by Disney or another movie company. Um, the third book in this series, for instance, is going to be based in Oz. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the ruby slippers were not in the original book. They were silver. They were, put, they were made ruby in the movie because they were just doing color movies and red popped out more. So I can't use ruby slippers because that's not public domain, even though The Wizard of Oz is. Yeah, it's really odd with, um, with Sherlock Holmes, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the estate of Sherlock Holmes has somewhat successfully proven that certain elements from Sherlock Holmes are not in the public domain, even though early stories of Sherlock Holmes are in the public domain. Mm-hmm. And so they'll like sue if the friendship between Sherlock and Watson is as it's represented later in the books instead of as it is in early in the books, which is really an interesting distinction that uh, is a little intimidating, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so is there an easy way of learning this stuff, or is it just do your research? Um, anything before 
96 years from now is public domain. Um, there's some gray area between... Before 90, 96 years from now? Well, for 96 years, it's... Everything older than 96 the, years. Yes, that's exactly okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, for example, uh, what are some Peter Pan things that I probably assume are original but are actually Disney creations? Um, the crocodile's name is TikTok. Okay. Uh, that is not in the book. The crocodile is not named in the original. Um, obviously, a lot of the songs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I assume all of the yes. songs. <laughs> None of them were original uh-huh. uh, M. Barry. Uh, what about uh, like aspects of the Lost Boys? Who, they all did they all dress up as like squirrels and stuff uh, no, in the you original? No, they, they didn't. Now that okay. you mention it, no, they didn't. They were just boys who had in the in the book they had fallen out of their cribs, and the reason there were only boys is because girls were too smart for that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, as the father of three of each, I can agree. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. You know, this, is, this topic is going to grow increasingly relevant in the coming years because um, so far the Sonny Bono Act, which extended copyright, has not been re-extended. I don't know if it's actually called the Sonny Bono Act, but that <laughs> act that, would, that expanded uh, uh-huh. uh, copyright protections um, in the 90s, everyone is expecting Disney to fight to re-extend it, and so far they haven't. And they were a big motivator behind it uh, happening in the 90s. And so, for instance, Batman and Superman are going to be entering the public domain within the next 10 years or so. Uh, Mm -hmm. If this doesn't, uh, um, if, Mm -hmm. if something doesn't happen. And right now... The people who are watching us are saying, if Disney's not going to join this fight, then it's, it's going to happen, which means that you will be able to write Superman stories uh-huh. if you want, but it can only be the issues of Superman containing elements from the ones that were the first year Superman was out. And then the next year, the next set of issues will enter the public domain and certain other things will enter. Uh, And so it's going to get real interesting about 10 years from now when there are unlicensed Batman and Superman movies that start Mm -hmm. getting released. Right. Originally, Superman couldn't fly. Mm -hmm. He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's legit. And a lot of the villains, the uh-huh. iconic villains, will not enter because originally Superman was not fighting Lex Luthor. Luthor he was fighting generic 20s mobsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be a real interesting thing when that starts happening. Yeah, I, I can't recall the specific outlets right now. Uh, we'll try to find this for the liner notes. But there are, I have seen announcements come through almost every year of, hey, these are all the things that are going to enter public domain this year. And 96 years ago is not very long ago um, in terms of our cultural history and and our pop culture. Um, I mean, what was 96 years ago? 20-something? 20? I can't do math. I'm a writer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it would be the 20s. 28? Um, Yeah, yeah, the the 1920s. And so we're going to start getting all kinds of, like— it's only another decade or so before we get Captain America. Entering this year is Winnie the Pooh. Oh. What? A.A. <laughs> Milne. Um, Winnie the Pooh. Everyone get out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be first on the Winnie the Pooh train. Yep. Uh, that's the big one, but, a, um, but there is an Agatha Christie novel entering the public domain. Uh, and there is uh, some Faulkner and some Hemingway. 
uh, entering the public domain. Not as big franchise fare as perhaps Winnie the Pooh, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see these things uh, now that that expansion yeah has uh, run its its course. People have been waiting for William Faulkner to enter the public mm-hmm. domain. Yeah, my With William Faulkner, breath. Um, as I lie dying cinematic universe, uh, <laughs> uh, is, uh, is, is up and ready to go. Just various people in their caskets monologuing about their deaths. Okay, so you were just reading us a list. You were scrolling through your phone. Mm-hmm. What, where, where did you look that up I so Googled, our listeners can look it up? I uh, Googled entering the public domain in 2022 and took the first hit. Oh, well, there you oh, go. So that means it's actually already easy. in it because yeah. all the stuff goes in when the year starts. So, yeah. yeah so, so Winnie the Pooh is public Winnie domain Winnie the Pooh's now. already out. Yeah. Jump on it. <laughs> Don't quote us on that. Go get a second source because yeah. it was a five-second Google <laughs> from me. And so if you write it and then you get sued because you're a year early because this list said it will enter next year and I just didn't read that, you can't blame me. But yeah. you can, but I will, I will, I will dispute that. Yeah. yeah, and the audio evidence that he has... <laughs> told you this is there um gamma you're our book of the week so once again tell us not only about your uh, peter pan book but where people can find it uh god of neverland um would be in all books which has been released by harper um and like i said it's 20 years after the original peter pan and the audiobook is by simon vance which i am really excited about <laughs> It, um, and if you're looking for tones, again, I read it and really liked it. It has about a, a mystery thriller feel to it. Um, it uh, it's like lots of, lots of interesting sort of um, detective-ish things. Detective adjacent, would you say, Gama? It's not really a detective story. Right, yeah. Um, but thriller-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, sort of feel. Very fast-paced, uh, very seat of your, uh, on, on the edge of your seat sort of stuff. Cool. All right, so... Um, let me ask another question then. What is the value of, and maybe this is super obvious, what is the value of using a public domain character or setting uh, rather than just uh, making everything up on your own? Uh, you have a whole established universe to play with, and then you can find the lesser known aspects of the story and bring those out. And unlike writing media tie-in or something, you don't have to get permission for that. Um, so... Like I said, you have this really big expanded universe. There is one thing that's like in the epigraph of Peter Pan. It talks about a little old lady with a crooked nose in a house and she becomes a major character. Um, so, you know, just you can expand on little known parts of stories that everybody knows about. That's very cool. This would also, I assume, include retellings. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. That you could do, you know, this is Peter Pan, but it's cyberpunk yeah. in the future <laughs> and it's all gritty yeah. and everyone dies. You know, it's, it, it's interesting for you to ask this question because uh, narrative, when we are writing stories, we are always building on a shared understanding, even if it's just a shared understanding of story structure and things like this. And a lot of what we do as writers to make things feel fresh and original is we are in some ways twisting that structure. Um, We are playing off of audience expectations. You can't have a twist in a book if the audience isn't expecting something else to happen. That's the definition of a twist. And because of that, um, anytime you have something shared in a narrative with the reader that you can expect they will understand, you can play with it. And Gama does an excellent job with this um, in his book. And it's one of the reasons we like, like when someone gives you a pitch, it's um, it's this, but 20 years later, and with this twist, you're building on that shared narrative. 
Um, and that is just really fun. That's the way that we make interesting twists and interesting takes. Like, even when I will pitch Mistborn, um, I'll say, oh, Mistborn is a cross between My Fair Lady and, you know, my, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's the pitch <laughs> I, I, I used to give when people knew Crouching Tiger a little bit better, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was new. It's, it's a ninja story, My Fair Lady, the ninja story. Um, <laughs> That works because you know My Fair Lady, and you're like, oh, My Fair Lady, but with with magical ninjas? Um, That is just a cool twist. It's a cool take, and it lets you give these really efficient pitches. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, Well, Gamma, we uh, have really loved having you on the show. I was glad to be here. And uh, we've been so organized the last several years that we haven't had the opportunity to do what I'm about to do which is, with no warning whatsoever, say, Gama, what's our homework this week? Uh, your homework is to find something entering the public domain and write a story about it. There we go. <laughs> this has been writing excuses. You are out of excuses, as is Winnie the Pooh. Now go write. <laughs> writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.